I am your host, Justin Yachts, and today my guest is William Griffay. This is part two of my interview with him. He is a famous director from the 60s and the 70s. Enjoy. So what else? All right, let's the well, now we're at the hook generation, which I I really loved this film. I thought this was a really um interesting film. Um I really love the water scene that you did when they're you'd had the girl's head drown drowning. Uh-huh. And then you have the and then the last shot. I, I didn't know that um you actually just held the camera and he just held his breath under there going down. And I thought it was very poetic that you know he dies by um by his own stuff. Yeah, well, it's, uh, yeah, that movie, uh, you know, turned out, I think, you know who John Davis Chandler is? Yeah. And, you know, uh, outlaw Josie Wales, he plays uh, the, the bounty hunter. But uh, He's in Mako, uh, uh, Jaws of Death. He's worked with you a lot. Yeah, well, Johnny, uh, I thought Hook Generation was the best thing Johnny ever did as an actor. Mm-hmm. And you really study his performance, the way he played that, you know, yeah. drug addict and all that. You know, Johnny did a favor that is unheard of in California. Uh, I was doing Whiskey Mountain up in North Carolina, and I originally a cast Neville Bryan. Do you remember Neville Bryan? Anyway, he was a in uh, and yeah. Any, anyway, he was going to play the part that Johnny ended up with because well, it, uh, Neville Bryan was well known in Europe at the time, and so uh, his agent calls me and that he got pneumonia and he couldn't show up and uh, had to cancel. And here I'm producing and directing, and I'm out in the woods and. And so the, a PA comes out with a note from my secretary and, and said, uh, Neville Bryan can't show up. You know, he was due in two days. So I wrote my, I said, call Johnny Chandler and tell him I can't send him a round trip ticket. I can't send him an advance because they always, actors always want to advance in the first yeah. ticket. I said, I need him in, uh, uh, there, here tomorrow. And Johnny trusted me and uh, showed up, you know. And uh, so Johnny, Johnny was great. I really liked working with him. What, what, was, what was he like to, to work with acting-wise, like directing him? Did you? Well, Johnny had so much experience, he really didn't need yeah. to write. But I remember one thing uh, I did direct him on is at the end of the movie where he comes in and remember the two girls had been raped. Oh, at, at the, uh, oh, in uh, Whiskey Mountain, yeah. When the two girls had been raped, well, I told Johnny, I said, Johnny, look, you come in, you know, really mean, mad as hell, and he kicks the other guy, and he comes up to the girl, and then, and uh, then I want you to be sympathetic to see what they went through. She thanks for that, Bill. That's going to work. That's great. And so he thanked me for that bit of direction. You know, some of these uh, really experienced actors, you don't have to direct them. Much. Yeah. Anyway, one one thing, uh, Pro knows all the tricks in the, like when you're doing a two shot, you know, yeah. if, if this actor, if you turn that way, well, then you get the back of the head, the other actor. And when I was doing Impulse, and we had a chat and we were doing a scene with some unknown actor, and, uh, you know, they're doing the two shot, and Shatner leans, you know, so the other guy, you see it practically in the back of his head, you know. So I yeah. said, cut, and I said, Bill, come over here. I didn't tell him. I said, give the kid a break, will you? All right. <laughs> he knew exactly what I was talking about. I didn't have to tell him, you know. I said, give the kid a break, you know. He's so, <laughs> just like, oh, The old pro, they know every trick in the book, you know. Now, back to the hook generation. Um, 
you also had um, this actress that you brought on who had kind of some kind of a name or whatever, but you ended up having to uh, fire her because she was um, and giving <laughs> giving her lines away. What, what, what was the story of that? <laughs> oh, well, this this model, you know, she had a, a, a two. She was the film two yeah. days. You know. Yeah. She shows up. You know, she was. She wasn't a star or anything. She shows up in a limousine and all of this. And she was a prima donna. She gave me all kind of trouble. I mean, she was yeah. unbelievable. And so there's a scene at the uh, when she's on the, uh, the staircase and all this, where the guy is there. And so she was to film another whole day, but I knew I had her last shot the first day. Mm -hmm. I said to her, I said, thank you very much. Uh, you're fired. <laughs> what are you going to do? And I just sat down and I rewrote that thing where I, with Johnny Chandler and all, where he comes out yeah. and just gave that to the that other girl and, you know, nobody knew the difference, you know. And one thing I never did put up with was prominence, you know, because it's hard enough to make a movie uh, without somebody giving you the star treat. <laughs> Especially somebody who has two lines. <laughs> it's like, what are, what are we, what are we doing here? Um, I also like the marketing that you that you did for uh, Hook Generation. You guys put them in these capsules. Oh, and yeah. handed them out to handed yeah. them out to school. Like I could never see that being done today. People would be like, "Oh my god, yeah. you're promoting drugs." Little you're capsules <laughs> get hooked on the hook generation playing at the local theater, and we'd go by the high schools and the colleges and throw out hundreds of these capsules. You know, so yeah, and, and those, I'm sure it worked because oh, you yeah, know people but, are like you know, those days are long the way we used to promote movies. Uh, one thing I, th I thought was really, you've got the shot where uh, Willie is getting struck with the snake. What did yeah. you, how'd you, how'd you shoot that? Well, uh, I used the real rattlesnake, but on the actual strike, I had a stuffed, stuffed uh, snake. You know, yeah. real snake, but it was dead. So I, you know, did real fast yeah. cut, you know, we're, would hit him and all that, and then would cut to the real snake and all that. But you know, yeah, when I did, uh, well, do you want to talk about Stanley at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're gonna get to Stanley. I, oh, I have a lot, yeah, <laughs> a lot yeah. to talk about Stanley. Tell something with Stanley when when we get to Stanley. So yeah, I'm 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 fascinated. All right, so let's let's get to um, let's talk about the the naked zoo which okay. I think is one of your most underrated films. Because okay. I, I, really, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, it was different from all the other stuff that I had watched. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about um, coming up with it? I mean, I know you talked about, uh, what was it? Coconut Grove, like uh, it kind of came. Well, Coconut but, um, Grove at that time was sort of the, the hippie area of, of Miami, mm -hmm. you know, so. Uh, I wanted to do because you know, the hippie stuff was all uh, the rage back then. So, you know, so anyway, I originally had titled it The Grove, but, you know, a lot of people didn't know what The Grove stood for. So we ended up, Stephen Oliver, you know, had his own, he was a star of a TV show and uh, sent him the script. And, uh, he, he liked it, and then uh, I told you how I I got Rita Hayworth for the part. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, Rita Hayworth was from the old school, you know, and I'm used to one or two takes, you know. Yeah. So I put in my budget where I'd do six or seven takes. So the first day I'd do six or seven, and then the second day, you know, I'd do four or five takes. And finally, once she got confidence in me, 
then I was down to one or two takes, you know. Yeah. So, so did about. did you sense a reluctance that she trusted you as a director when you first met her or when you were first working with her? Well, I I, I met her at her, at her home. She lived next to uh, what was his name? Anyway, she moved next to some famous actor, but uh, mm. but she had looked at a. Hook Generation uh, with her agent, you know, and, uh, you know, they, they sort of knew that's what was happening today. But she, uh, see, she was getting Alzheimer's at the time. I, and we didn't know what Alzheimer's was. And, uh, and uh, so I thought she was an alcoholic. And she let me... I had to film around her for four days, four or five days, which was a nightmare. Where yeah. was, she was in her hotel room and, and couldn't work and this and that. So, so that, it, was, it was a tough thing, you know, uh, because now, you know, Alzheimer's is really well-known, you know, disease, but back then, you know, she was starting to lose it a little bit uh, mentally at that time. So uh, anyway, but she she was a you know good trooper. You know, she was a, yeah. and she uh she was scared to death of being in an automobile because she had two friends that had uh had been killed. Ali Khan, I think, was killed. And uh, my poor wife was driving her one time, and you know, like a guy, cut, she literally fell on the floor. Comparing it to, like, what was there something different about Rita Hayworth that you noticed when you were when you were directing, working with her, that like she was sort of a timid. She was sort of timid gal. She wasn't. You know, like Ruth Roman, you mm. know, uh, where I use Ruth Roman had kahunas as big as an elephant. You know, she was a, a tough gal. Yeah. You know, where Rita was, Rita was very uh, sort of timid type. You know, she wasn't a, you know, she wasn't a temperamental or anything, but, mm. but the, Alzheimer's was starting to catch yeah. up with it, which uh, was a sad thing. What what am I? Uh, I I really loved uh, Stephen Oliver in this movie. I thought yeah. he played a, an interesting role where he he's like yeah, he he's was. writer, but he's kind of a jerk. But he's this, but we kind of feel for him. Like he, you know, he's he's going through this whole gambit of of emotions and stuff. What was what was Stephen Oliver like to work with? He he, he was good. Uh, working with him and uh but he uh the trouble was he was uh, a little on drugs during that movie and i had to get after him you know oh, no. and uh so i uh you know, took him aside and i said look at showing up you know so you, you gotta be careful you know you can't yeah. come on the things stoned and think you're gonna Nobody's gonna notice it, you know. So <laughs> amazing. Anybody could, you know. It's like I don't know how you could act high. I guess some can. Yeah. So, so like when you gave him the uh, when you gave him this talk, was he um, did he understand or was he kind of denying that he was high? <laughs> that he was what? Did he deny that there was anything wrong with him? No, no, no. So, so he so he understood what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the, I mean, you've talked about um, the alternate cut and how they added stuff. I, wh why do you think? As I, I think this movie could have done, could have done better than it did. Do you do you think it was just the way it was marketed or released or well, the changing of it? What the deal was was. They had tax shelters. That mm -hmm. movie 
was made on the, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but if you invested in a movie, a lot of mm. people wanted write-offs. Yeah. And the investors were all tax shelter people. And that's mm. why the first thing uh, it didn't go over. The, so the people sold it to, to another group and the other group said, oh, you got to put the canned heat in. You know, you got to put this and that, some nude scenes and, you know, stuff in business, which I didn't like. You know, so. So. Yeah. And then they actually retitled. They, like, tried several different um, things. Let me let me restate that. Um, did he... Um, so they really just kind of intended this movie to not do well. Correct, right. They, do, yeah. do you think it was a mistake to go with them as investors? Like if you, if you well, could do I it again the, or? At the time, I didn't know that was their intent. You know, yeah. I would have never you know, gone with them if I knew that was the, the intent of the thing, you know. But uh, so they sabotaged it basically, is yeah, yeah, kind right. of what happened, right? Okay, yeah. that makes sense. I know, I, I really liked it. I thought I, I, I just thought it was just so different, and the way yeah. you filmed it was different. Uh, this was more of as opposed to a lot of a lot of it was, it was more of a talking film, and really, I'll tell you it. something uh, interesting about that. The uh, the the uh, associate producer, you mm -hmm. know, I, I was producing and directing, and in pre-production, we were going to rent all of the furniture for for that set. That that mm -hmm. his house was a set we built at a studio, and so uh, his job was to rent all of this furniture. So I forget the exact number, but he was going to rent the whole thing for like a thousand dollars, and uh, mm. so we're on a we're going to shoot Monday, and Saturday the guy comes by to get his money, and he says uh, it's going to be five thousand dollars. <laughs> so the deal was a thousand. Yeah. And, uh, so I said to the the guy that was supposed to make the deal for me, I said, where's the contract? Let me see. Well, I, I didn't get a contract, Bill. And I said uh, to the guy, I got two words for you. And the first word is starts with an F, and the second word starts with a U. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody panicked. What what are we going to do? You know, this and that. So I got yeah. the whole crew together and I said, you bring in a lamp, you bring in your kitchen table, the whole thing. We did the whole thing, you know. That's that's similar to uh what I happened on the hook generation, the the, the pretty girl there. She said she would do a nude scene. And then when you got to the nude scene, she was like, well, I don't want to do it now. Oh, yeah, I had to bring in a double for that. Yeah. It's like, yeah. come on. <laughs> just just do just do the nude scene. So that back, <laughs> back scene of her was a double. Remember where she So this brings us now, you kind of leave the business for a while. You go, you become the production head at uh, at Ivan Tours studio. And they did like Gentle Ben and Flipper. And you get the Psychedelic Priest. Now, I'm confused. Did you, because you wanted to do the Psychedelic Priest and then you were eventually going to do Stanley, is that why you left? Um, did you leave um, Ivan? Or the Psychedelic Priest mm. was done prior to me becoming president of Ivan Tours. See, so when I became president, you know, Ivan Torres was uh, noted for family stuff, you know, Flipper, yeah. Gentleman, et cetera, et cetera. So I didn't want to be associated 
with a you know hippie drug related film. Okay, okay. Oh, so I that's see. Why what I didn't take director's credit? You yeah, follow? Just... So so I just took cameraman. Yeah. <laughs> Incidentally, you know, I shot, I shot yeah. with three people. I did all the camera work on it. I had a sound man, and and one. I'll tell you an interesting story on that. The producer was completely nuts. You know, I yeah. mean, nuts. <laughs> and so the way he calls me up, <laughs> he calls me on the phone. He says, "Billy, like." Got this great script uh, I want to do. And I said, Well, what's it about? And he said, Well, it's about this priest that leaves the church and travels. So, anyway, he says, Jump on a plane out here. I want you to direct this thing. And I said, Well, it doesn't quite work this way. I said, uh, You send me half my salary and a round trip ticket, and I'll come out. So, a week or two later, round trip ticket comes and half my salary. So I go out and he meets me at the airport and he wouldn't send me the script, you know, but he told me the basic concept of it. And he, I said, come on, take me to my hotel room. I want to read the script. I'm in trouble, Graffay. I don't have a script. What? She brought me out here. You don't have a script. So anyway, long story short, we're sitting around and he had put this deal together with trading stamps. Nobody knows what trading stamps were, but back then it was a way sort of to beat the IRS. And like, if you owned a TV shop and you had trading stamps and you needed, I owned a garage and you needed your transmission, instead of paying me, you'd give me trading stamps and then I could go buy a TV off of you with trading stamps. No? So some way he'd, he'd raise these trading stamps. So I, anyway, we're sitting there and we're at the Ramada Inn yeah. on sunset. And if you've ever eaten a, every meal at the Ramada Inn, <laughs> you know, so after a couple of days sitting there doing nothing and running around, I said, look, let's go over to the New World, and I'll buy dinner. So we went up to, across the street, and there was a that hip, hippie girl, you know, with the long dress. She was sitting there, and I said, you know, she looks like a real hippie, you know. And he says, I know why I hired you, Graffay. You're brilliant. He goes over, you want to star in my next movie? <laughs> <laughs> so now we got our lead and she never acted before. The next morning so, we were having breakfast at the Ramada. So huh? Did the did the did the lead of the psychedelic priest did was he had he acted before? Uh, he'd never been in a movie before. He mm -hmm. he uh you're talking about the guy who played the priest, right? Yeah, the one that goes through, yeah. Oh, well, how that happened. We we're having breakfast at the Ramada Inn the next morning, and he walks in, and he had uh, one of those briefcases where they show all your photographs and you know yeah. your resume and all. I said, that, that, "That actor looks like a young priest." Rafay, you're brilliant. He goes over. <laughs> now we got our lead, you know. And, you uh, over there. Yeah, you look and, like you've acted. Come on in. <laughs> so anyway, we used to just like Topanga Canyon was right off of Mulholland there. And, you know, we'd be driving around. Well, there's a nice stream down there. Let's dream up something to shoot in, on the stream yeah. and think we're at the stream. And then I said, uh, you know, uh, I've always, you know, being from Florida, I like to see snow up at Lake Arrowhead, it's snowing. Why don't we go up to Lake Arrowhead? We yeah. winged all of that. <laughs> you know, I just, so, oh, so, this is interesting now. We're riding down Sunset. See, all the hippies were living uh, in the hills and they were in doorways and all that. And 
So we had a handheld area and we were shooting all the hippies walking around on sunset there. And this producer says, Rita is calling me. And I said, Rita's calling you? Who the hell's Rita? And he said, oh, she's a real witch. I'm talking, she's a, the real McCoy. I find out later that she had five pages in Esquire magazine about Lita, the witch, you know. So yeah. he says, Lita's calling me. So we go up into the hills and she lived in this castle in the hills and we knock on the door and it was me, the producer, our old sound man and this young hippie grip we had. Anyway, this big guy comes to the door. What do you want? We're here to see Rita. Wait here. And so we're saying that Rita comes and she looks at the producer. You're putting off bad vibes today. She looks at me. Oh, you're putting off good vibes. Okay, you two come in. She comes in, leaves the sound man and the young hippie <laughs> outside, you know. So she's on this throne. She's got these big peacock feathers and she's sitting on this throne. This little guy comes in with a silver tray. Tea is served. And I said, what the hell's in this tea? <laughs> so I'm sitting there drinking it. So after about 15, 20 minutes, I said, you know, it's hot outside. That's our other people are there. And so she, she so she brings in and this young kid. Now this is where she had some magic power. This young kid comes jiving in. Wow, what a cool place. You know, this, and she says, sit. Some way she hypnotized him and froze him right in their tracks. And boom. He just sat there paralyzed the whole damn meeting. So she she had some kind of. But this, this sounds like something out of a film. <laughs> you should have filmed this. <laughs> uh, yeah. so somebody, uh, uh, somebody uh, looked that article up and they found it. That five pages in Esquire magazine. And so I don't know if you could find it, but it's an interesting thing. Mm -hmm. But she she was she had something. I don't know what it was, but but that was a wild well experience i'll tell you i mean what was it like directing actors who don't have a script and have not really acted before like how would you well what would you would you just give them action direction or well you know directing actors is you know hitting marks and all is, is yeah. one thing you know and then uh you know there's a lot of tricks like uh when when you're doing uh, over shoulder shots, you can't jump on someone's line because you got to take a little pause. And so I had yeah. to teach them, you know, give them a little teaching lesson on stuff mm -hmm. like that, you know. But we just sit there and yeah, well, let's talk about this, and we and we just uh, but you know that scene uh. Uh, outside and they have the uh, the doctor no no the, the one scene I'm really proud of uh, in that movie is I'd become president of Ivan Tours and mm. the producer called me up Bill we don't have enough time please please fly up on a weekend I'll you, we, we gotta film this so I went out to LA and we were out in the desert and I dreamt up a thing where these hippies are there and this girl is gonna have a baby. And so we went out in the desert and there was, those were real hippies. And do you remember the scene where the girl has the baby and, in the and, car? Yeah, in the yeah. car. I shot that whole scene in 15 or 20 minutes. 
you know, I did all the camera work and we dreamt that scene up and that girl was a real hippie and they were all real hippies. If you look at them, I shot that whole thing because I had to get the uh, red eye back to Miami that night, you know, the report yeah. to the studio. And I'm really proud of that scene. If you look at that scene, the way I covered it and, and yeah. shot it and, and had real hippies that had never acted before. I mean, it was, uh, it turned out pretty good. That was only 15 to 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Man, you knew how to not waste time, which is something you need to instill in the, uh, the well, younger generation. <laughs> one thing uh, that, uh, if, if you ever watched that, uh, thing they did what Randy Gretner, one of the guys worked with me, said, Rain, nothing stopped Griffey. <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah, Chris George talks about that. He didn't show up to set on uh, on Whiskey yeah. Mountains. It was raining, and you're like, You're not a John, you're not on a Jane Wayne, John Wayne picture, you're in a William Griffey picture. Get out of here. Well, <laughs> that's uh, you know. yeah. So this brings us now to Stanley. So are you still, when you're about, when you do Stanley, are you still Ivan Tours? Are you still doing the head of production or are you? Yeah, yeah. You what happened, see, my deal, you know, when I became president of the studio, I came home, you know, because they interviewed me, the whole thing. And I said, uh, my wife said, well, how'd you do it? I got the job. Why aren't you? Why are you so depressed? I said I got to go to work every morning at nine o'clock, you know, because in the movie business, you work your ass off 14, 15 hours a day, but when it's over with, you can relax. And, and but I had to go to work, and so I was depressed that I became. But I, but when I took the job. I said, I've got to do one independent film a year on my own, and I'll give Ivan first crack at it, you know. Yeah. And well, he, you know, Stanley. <laughs> He's not going to do Stanley. Stanley <laughs> was not exactly a, a, a kid-oriented movie, so uh, he turned it down, and that's and yeah. the way I got Stanley. It was interesting. Do you want to talk yeah. about Stanley now? Yeah, let's now we're yeah, we're at Stanley. Let's talk about it. Well, right then, the big thing, I was out in LA and Willard, you know, was a big independent film and did real well. And I I knew if you're the second film out, you'll make money. Mm -hmm. If you're the fourth or fifth or sixth, you're not gonna make money. So I don't know what the hell I ate that night, but I dreamt Stanley. And mm -hmm. the next morning, uh, Crowd International had signed uh, uh, and, and bought Wild Rebels from me. And uh, so the uh, head of that was uh, an old crusty guy with a cigar out to here. And uh, well, Forgot his name right offhand. But uh, anyway, I called him up and said, Hey, I, I got an idea for a movie. You know, come, he said, Okay, well, send me the script. I'll read it over the weekend. I said, I don't have a script. Well, send me a resume. I said, well, I don't have a Get the hell off the phone. Get. I said, Please. So I went to see him. Uh, Red Jacobs was his name. Red, Red Jacobs. Yeah. And so I went to see Red and he smoked these big cigars out the here. You know? <laughs> he had a big box of cigars on it. He said, What in the hell you bothered me for? And I said, Let me tell you the story. So he brought in uh, uh, his head of vice president and then the head of uh, publicity and uh, here when they were waiting for them to come in, I, I reached in his box and grabbed one of his cigars. Those damn things were a buck a piece, you know, which was a lot of money back then. Yeah. Let down, 
And they said, I said, relax, Red, come on, come on, relax. So I told him the whole story because it was all in my head. And he said, how much will you make this movie for? And I said, $125,000. You got a deal. I knew a handshake with Red Jacobs was as good as a contract. He says, I'm going to put one monkey on your back. I got to have this movie by April 15th, which was the magic day drive-ins open around the country. Yeah. And here it was almost early, just starting December. And I had no script or anything. So I wasn't about to turn the deal down, but I knew I had to start shooting almost immediately, you know. So I wouldn't turn the deal down. Okay. Gary Crutcher, the, he's the wild writer I know. And, and Gary was a pill popper. The first time I met him, he had a briefcase with uppers and downers, and he had a 45 automatic. And he was like completely <laughs> nuts. <you know? laughs> so I said, Gary Crutcher, I said, Gary, call it. I call, meet me at the LA airport. I got to take the, the uh, next red eye back to Miami. So he met me on the airport and I took a yellow pad and I wrote down all of the characters and scene one, this happens, blah, blah, blah. So I wrote everything down. And this was a, this was a Friday night. I said, Gary, I have to have a screenplay Monday in Miami. Well, there were no faxes or no emails or anything, which means he had to finish the thing Sunday night, put it on an airplane and give it to me Monday. And so he wrote, <sighs> and, you know, he just popped pills, stayed up for two solid days and wrote the thing based on all of my story. And, uh, and so we started shooting about two weeks later. And, but it was interesting the way I got, uh, what the heck was his name? The actor from, uh, Godfather. Uh, oh, um, oh yeah, Alex Rocco. Alex Rocco. The way I got Alex Rocco, he was in Miami promoting The Godfather. And I hired him. And <laughs> Paramount was paying all his per diem and everything. So I, <laughs> so I stole Alex Rocco from <laughs> Paramount. <laughs> Paid all, everything, you know, except his salary. I paid. And uh, interesting thing on, do you want to talk about Stanley now? Yeah, yeah, let's talk about Stanley. Interesting thing, you know, when he, at the end of the movie where he, the snakes come. Yeah. He came up to me <laughs> and he said, Rafe, I've been an actor for 10 years. I've never refused to do what a director tells me, but. I am scared to death of snakes. Yeah. <laughs> said, no problem. I'll get some rubber snakes. I'll have you fight them. No problem. So I had two handlers and they each had two snakes apiece, you know, hiding behind that barn. And he yeah. comes off the pool. I hit him with all of those snakes, you know. <laughs> I mean, he, did, did he think they were rubber snakes at first? No, no. Well, I I had a couple rubber snakes, but the rest I hit him with like 10 real snakes. So he knew of me. He didn't oh. know it, but the minute he hit the water and came up, I hit him with all these real snakes. And <laughs> talk about panic. He really panicked, you know. And you know, he he won the Emmy. <laughs> in New York on Good Morning America and he said have you ever done a movie about all, had any trouble with the director and he says there's this insane director in Florida <laughs> that hit me with all these snakes you know and you know my daughter Melanie you know Melanie is, yeah she was doing a movie with Alex Rocco and he heard her name and he said 
are you related to William? <laughs> hey, William Gouffain? says, yeah, he's my father. Get him on the phone. Gouffain, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> so he was a good sport. Was, was he like, was that like the last day of shooting with him? I mean, like, did you have to get another take? Of yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I'm wise enough not to do that. <laughs> Talk a little bit about um, Chris Robinson, who who plays um, he plays the guy that you know is kind of like the Indian. Yeah. You know, he, yeah, yeah. Chris was a hundred percent pro. He was yeah. absolute terrific. And uh, he, uh, you know, was really gun shy of those. Those were real rattlesnakes, you know. Yeah. What we did is we, we cut their fangs off, you know, and sutured their mouth, you know. Yeah. So they couldn't bite him. And, uh, but after two weeks of filming, I saw, I said to Frank, my animal trainer, I said, what the hell is that? They grow their fangs back. He was growing, the, the rattles standing was growing the, you know, the fangs back. Yeah. And uh, so it, uh, uh, anyway, we had to, you know, cut the fangs off again and all. But Chris was 100% pro. I mean, he was really great yeah. the way he worked with us. So I can't talk more about you know, how I admired him. Because when you, because yeah, I, so they would defang them. So you could pretty much pick them up and they were pretty much harmless in some ways. Yeah, right, right. With, that's, with, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, you, I don't think you could do that today. They would, uh, the animal right. rights would come after you. Like, I, I, <laughs> You know, I said, uh, Stanley was almost, he should have been in the Screen Actors Guild. Damn snake took direction. I mean, I don't know if you remember the scene where yeah. Chris was in the boat with the outboard motor and mm. Stanley climbed into the boat. I mean, he was supposed to climb into the boat and all of that. And he did one. And then where Stanley drags the canteen up to the to the yeah. graves there. I mean the damn rattlesnake did everything. Was a good was a good actor. <laughs> I mean it was amazing. Better than the girl in the hook generation. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean it's just I mean that's I mean that's so cool. I mean, yeah, I mean if you could get them to like not uh, bite you i mean they're you know yeah. it's pretty safe right. you know which is which is interesting um yeah and you had to it was november and the things comes out like uh april 15th because you want the uh the drive-in stuff oh yeah yeah it was see what i tell young filmmakers was preparation is the key so many young filmmakers, they fight to get the money. Oh God, yeah. got the money, let's make a movie. Every movie I ever made, like if, if I got the money, I wanted six to eight weeks of preparation. I wanted every prop, I wanted everything organized. And the only movies I winged is I had to wing, uh, you know. Tartoo. <laughs> And I had a, a wing, but I, you know, I had the experience, the yeah. wing, you know, but uh, all the other movies I made, I always wanted, you know, a lot of six weeks prep and get everything organized and make sure, you know, you had all the props and the costumes and everything. Can you talk a little bit about your preparation about how you would start? How would how would you go about you know preparing? Would you start with just shots, or well, well first you go through it. You see all the props you need, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, like uh, you know I've, I've seen some some movies where 
you're supposed to have champagne and they, they forget to buy the bottle of champagne and it's held up. Yeah. And uh, so you first you go through all your props and, and have all the props you know, in the prop box ready, ready so you know you got every prop. You know, if it calls for a, a gun or something, you got to see what kind of gun you're going to have and, and how the, yeah. I mean, like this, this thing with Alex Baldwin, you know, that should have never happened, you know. I, mean, I know. See, but I, my belief on that, I, I know that gun real well. Uh, Alex Baldwin. Yeah. That gun is what's called a single action, which you cock it yeah. and pull the trigger. But if you just pull the trigger, it won't fire. It's not a double action, it's single. Yeah. You've seen Clean Eastwood where he fans a gun. Yeah. Well, I don't know for a fact, but my belief is what happened is he already a cock. But before you get all the way back and it clicks, if you release yeah. that hammer, it will fire. Yeah. Just like Ted Eastwood goes like that, yeah. you know. And I think he pulled that hammer back because he said, I never pulled the trigger. Well, you don't have to pull the trigger. Mm. So you pull that hammer back, boom. Well, I don't know that for a fact, but I just think that's what so, so you're saying that the uh, the hammer, pulling it back, pulling the hammer back, and then it just, and then him just releasing the hammer will pull, it, it will fire. Oh, I didn't know. Done. Yeah. See, you pull the hammer back and it clicks. And once it yeah. clicks, then you can pull the trigger. But if you pull the thing back and not click and release it, it will fire. So that's the way. You've seen him do that, a gunfighter. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's, you just fan that thing like that. See, and it never clicks, so you don't even have to pull the trigger. Yeah. So I think I think that's what happened. Yeah, I don't know for a do fact. You, do you do you think um because now we're getting into kind of like, like the preparation of a film? Do you think it's a generational thing? Why um because you're kind of alluding to the, the fact that, you know, a lot of young filmmakers don't do enough preparation. They kind of want to wing it because, like you said, they fight to get the money. They get the money and then they want to just shoot immediately without yeah. having thought of the shots. And then they're going to go over budget. Do you think it's do you think it's a generational thing because you came from? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think I mean, right now, when, I don't know if you saw on YouTube, I did that thing. A little seven minute thing called thumbs. Did you ever see that? You, no. You go to, go to YouTube and type in thumbs, William Griffey. Thumbs. And uh, I just did a, a seven minute thing a couple of years ago about uh, mm. it ends up a horror thing, but but it it's my takeoff on the young generation. I mean, you know. <laughs> It drives me crazy when uh, you go to a restaurant and like I saw this young couple with their two kids and all four of them are on their cell phones. You know, they they live, yeah. they live on their cell phone. And uh, it's, uh, I mean, just like in, in that seven minute thing I did, I, I quote, I, Albert Einstein, Albert Einstein said, I am in fear that coming technology will make the human race a bunch of idiots. You know? <laughs> well, look at what we're seeing now with uh, AI. And now you don't yeah. even have to write the paper. It'll just have a machine, right? It's like, right. it's a scary time we're living in. And, you right. know, yeah. You know, and another thing that drives me crazy if you look at movies now and editing it, like a fight scene, everything is fast cuts, fast cuts, fast cuts, fast cuts, you know? And, yeah. Uh, but, and you can hardly tell who's doing what, but I mean, you yeah. look at, uh, you look at Gunga Din, like the, the, the fighting scenes and that, 
and see what's going on. But I mean, with fast cuts, an idiot, a chimpanzee could direct those things. But you look at any of John Frankenheimer's films with the blocking and you know and stuff. Yeah. You know, it, it takes a real director to. Or look at like a, you know, a, a touch of evil, you know, that lo long shot in the film. I mean, like you can't, you couldn't wing that. <laughs> I mean, that was amazing the way they did that with huge cameras and all that. Yeah. You know? I mean, it was, yeah, those cameras were super heavy. And like you said, it, it, you're using film. Even if you have a lot of money, you still you got to get a lot of, you got to get a lot of film to do, you know, it's just, it's not the same. That's why I think in some ways, you know, now anybody can make a movie, you know, but like to do it, like when you were doing it, you did have to know what you're doing, because if, if you didn't know what you were doing, you, you would probably might shoot it backwards or right. not hit the right speed. And it would be like unwatchable, you know, it just. Right. And, and see another thing too, is you never knew what you shot till the next day. You had to send yeah. it, get it developed, you know. Yeah. Something. Uh, There's kind of no excuse for it to be bad today because it's like you have all the advantages that the previous generation did not have. You can see it right after you shoot it. I mean, you can, you can hear the sound. I mean, it's like the only thing but I think you get to the heart of it is the pre-production. A lot of them like to, you know, skimp on that. And it's like, when you get that, it's like, you need to know what you're going to shoot every, every day, or you're going to fall over, you know, over budget. You need to be in line. Yeah. It's supposed to be ahead of budget. <laughs> you know, that, that uh, seven month deal, Melanie, just uh with the first AD on, you know, Manhunt. Mm. 170 people in the crew. Let, let some of these guys try and make a movie with three people. <laughs> they wouldn't be able to. You know, they, would, they wouldn't be able, they wouldn't be able to do it with the limitations you, know, you had. I mean. Most of my films, I had maybe eight or 10 people on the crew. And sometimes yeah. we'd lie. You know, to make titles to make it look like we had more people in the credits, you know. Than, than you got Paul had. Fred here. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, uh, yeah, Joe John a, in the. Um... Okay, that about does it for this interview. I want to thank William Griffay. Also, please check out Kim Houston Acting Studios. As always, you can find me at Justin Yachts. Please like, share, and subscribe, and check out the YouTube version of this. And I will see you next time on the DMF.